And it's 4.15 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And we are returning to our conversation with Dr. Casey Williams. He's director of Avera Cancer Institute's Center for Precision Oncology. And we've been talking about the GRAIL project, which, as uh, uh, we, we were discussing, is, is a big nationwide effort, right? Um, how, many, how many hospitals are involved with this now? Things, uh, folks are added, uh, but, you know, there's probably 10 to 15 centers around the country that are involved, and we're involved here at Avera. Yeah, and so um, what does that entail in terms of, of how does it work then? So it's a, it's a research study, essentially. It is absolutely a research study for both people that don't have cancer and also people that are newly diagnosed with cancer. And so what, who are you looking for? We're looking anyone to, for anyone, honestly, that's um, interested in participating in science to further the field, to basically come up with a way of a relatively speaking non-invasive simple blood test to detect cancer as early as possible. And th- so who, if you want people to come in uh, and who want to participate, who, like, who should that be? It's somebody who has been diagnosed or even if you haven't been diagnosed or... I know that there are slots available. I'm aware of the patients that we're routinely seeing are the ones that are newly diagnosed and we're enrolling them on the study. But I know that there are aspects of the protocol that include community members like myself Mm -hmm. and you and all of us that don't have cancer at the moment. Uh, I know that there are significant numbers of slots available. In this 10,000 patient study, I think 30% of the slots are open to people that don't have cancer. Wow, that's a lot. So you want... You just want a base level, right? I mean, you need people who, who to, to compare it against. It's not like a control group so much, but just to start before somebody even knows they have it. Correct. We're trying to, you know, what Grail and many others in the field are trying to do is to, to find a very simple but highly effective, very sensitive test to detect cancer at its earliest genesis, to see it at its very beginning where we mm-hmm. can do something about it. Um, with available and potentially new therapies as they come, of course, but to do something about it when it's small. So right now, if you if somebody comes in and they're they've got some whatever kind of symptoms, whether it's pain or fatigue, whatever it happens to be, you kind of have to guess at what it might be, and then do a test for each different kind of cancer. Or are there not that are there as many tests as there are different kinds of cancer? Oh, there's more tests than types of cancer. I mean, there's lots of different types of tests now. Um, from that run the gamut. Yeah. Uh, but when a physician is diagnosing a patient or going through the process of working up a patient and trying to figure out what they have, obviously one of the things that it could be in some cases anyway is cancer, and mm-hmm. so they do the appropriate tests in those cases. Grail test today isn't ready for that, uh, but in the future I could certainly see the Grail test or something like it uh, being a supplement to a mammogram or a PSA screen or anything else that we would do for standard screening. And obviously the goal or the hope someday would that it be minimum a supplement and potentially a replacement for those tests. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we can detect cancer far earlier than a mammogram would pick it up, that's the goal here. So before the screening that we would normally do today, would even be able to detect it. Yeah. So uh, I know with, like with some cancers too, there there are... Uh, screening tests. So like, obviously we know about uh, mammograms and things like that, but, and PSA for uh, prostate, that's the right phrase, right? Mm-hmm. PSA for prostate cancer. But aren't there some new tests as well uh, that you can uh, take just as like a, a matter of course, if you're 40 years old, 50 years old, we're going to test you for lung cancer. Uh, now, aren't there some, some of those new 
uh, tests coming on the, into general use right now? I would not say in general use, but if, if you're a high-risk smoker, perhaps mm. if you smoke a lot of cigarettes or have in the past and you would meet the criteria for a, a low-dose CT scan, absolutely lung cancer screening um, saves lives. Mm-hmm. We know it c- catches cancer early, and that is a screening modality that we offer at Avera and certainly would encourage people that have a long history of smoking uh, to see their uh, doctor and to have a potential workup to see if you would qualify for the screening test. Uh, I know that most insurances cover it, and so it would be ideal to get this um, as early as possible if you're going to have, obviously, a development of cancer at some point. But those are the kind of things that are evolving, Patrick. There are no, I would say, slam-dunk new tests for for prevention slash early detection, unfortunately. They're coming, but they're a research uh, test at the moment. Yeah. We're here with Dr. Casey Williams, director of Avera Cancer Institute's Center for Precision Oncology. Um, So how long have you been working on this, on the GRAIL project? The GRAIL project, I think, has been at Avera about a year. Okay. Has it been been going on longer than that and, and Avera just joined? Your um, or is it just no, part it's of been going on a little bit before that. Yeah, so, okay. again, the, uh, the Grail project was uh, created by former employees of Google uh, that wanted to make a big difference, and it costs a lot of money to do thousands and thousands of patients like this, so there's a lot of investment capital um, put into this kind of endeavor, and they're trying, again, to come up with a, with a screening test. Uh, Dr. Amy Cree, our, one of the breast oncologists at Avera, is the primary investigator of this trial at Avera, and certainly... Um, she and others, are, including me, are very interested in the results because it certainly could improve our ability to treat cancer patients as early as possible. Yeah, so if, if uh, I come in and I say, uh, yeah, I want to be part of this, w- what happens to me next? I mean, you're going to take blood from me? What are you going to do to me? Well, we would obviously see if there's an open slot. Yeah. Um, you, we would have a research uh, staff person uh, make sure that you're appropriately um, a candidate for the trial. And you would be consented. Um, we would go through the informed consent process, which is standard for every single clinical research trial. You would be given the risks, alternatives, and benefits of the participation, and then we'd go through and draw a blood test. Yeah, So, it, but it's basically just given blood. Correct. I don't have to do anything else? Don't have to, like... Nope. Like, monitor my food we'll intake? Ask you some or questions. Yeah. <laughs> some rather personal questions, sir. Um, so, and then, uh, uh, do I come back, or how often um, do I do this? So, the results, I don't believe, will be shared with participants, at least in an individualized uh, perspective, but since certainly globally, we'll share the results of this, and this is something we obviously want to share with everyone, um, what could potentially benefit society, and how this could uh, eventually be a, a test that's available to everybody. So, th- this could take... A long time. Correct. I mean, you're, you don't have like, we're going to do this for five years and see where we are. You're just going to go and see what you find. Well, it's a fishing expedition to some extent <clears throat> because, you know, you're out deep sea fishing and you don't know what you're exactly going to catch. You know what kind of bait you put on the hook, but you don't know exactly what you're going to find. And that's the way it is with healthy individuals. We may find early cancer in them. What do we do about it? Because cancerous cells, uh, and this is a complicated discussion, but cancerous cells are in most of us right now. Those cells are, are fortunately most of the time going to die mm-hmm. and not actually impact us. But that those cancerous cells may shed DNA into our blood that we may then be able to collect with these blood tests. And so we have to determine what's a specific or sensitive level of cells or DNA in the blood that's not normal that could be or would be cancer. And so there's a lot of nuance to this uh, that would take a while to discuss. But we don't want to come up with a test that tells you you have cancer, but you don't. 
Right. So there's got to be a lot of work that goes into this to make sure that the test is valid and, and appropriate for people. So do you know kind of what you're looking for? Like you say, it's it, a, a DNA marker of some sort, but you don't know that every form of cancer has some common DNA marker. We know that um, f- through a lot of effort that's been going on around the world that there are a standard set of mutations or alterations in the DNA that happen in many patients, not everybody. Uh, there are also a very long list of unique mutations that happen to potentially be in one or two or a handful of people at a time. So there are standard sets, and I don't say standard meaning that everybody has them, but there are more common mutations that are in many tumor types, and those are the uh, same across all the spectrum. So leukemia patients may have a similar or the same mutation to somebody with prostate cancer or breast cancer. So what we know at the DNA of the molecular level that the, the, the tumors are more similar than they are, less similar. They're more alike than they are different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, you may say, I have a cancer that's in my colon, but that looks, in many cases, very similar to a cancer that's elsewhere. Yeah, because we call it all cancer. And so, at some measure, there has to be something that is a commonality that gets us to call it cancer, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with your body, but cancer is a very specific thing, even though it has all these different variations. Correct. And you just haven't found that yet. Well, we're, we're finding them now. It's just finding them in an individual. So, I mean, a cancer, again, is a cell that goes wrong that is part of you. Mm-hmm. So our cells in our body, many of them are dividing uh, constantly mo- many, many, many times every day. And every time our cancer, or a normal cell divides, mistakes are made. Mm. When we're younger, less mistakes potentially, but over time, the older we get, the more experienced we get in life, and the more exposure we expose ourselves to things like you know, UV light and eating too many hamburgers and many other things that we do to ourselves that maybe not the, not the healthiest, those cancer cells make more mistakes. So if we smoke cigarettes and we lay out in the sun too much and we do all kinds of things, that doesn't certainly mean you're going to develop cancer, but more mistakes are made in those cells that we have to fix. And you can think of a normal cell as having a typewriter and you edit mistakes as you go along. And Mm -hmm. so it's a very simplified description of this, but basically you have a typewriting editing system and it edits out those mistakes and goes on. Well, after a while, maybe the editing system doesn't work as well the older we get. And a mistake is made that's not found, it's not fixed, and a cancer develops. And so it's a normal process in our bodies and the more things that we do that we would consider naughty, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, doing... uh, environmentally based things, uh, or you have things that you're born with that you can't control, you develop a tumor. Yeah. And our interest is obviously to find that as early as possible and to do something about it. That's fascinating. We're here with Dr. Casey Williams. He is director of Avera Cancer Institute Center for Precision Oncology. We're talking about the GRAIL project. We're going to take a break for the news here, and we're going to come right back and continue this conversation. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And it is 4.33 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Casey Williams, Director of Avera Cancer Institute Center for Precision Oncology, Dr. Williams, that's uh, that's quite the title. I know. I didn't pick it. 
It's too long for me to say. I get tongue twisted. All yeah. <laughs> How do you end up being the director of Avera <laughs> Cancer Institute Center for Precision Oncology? Oh, good question. I think that there were musical chairs and I was the only one that didn't hear the music stop. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I've basically been in drug development and I have worked with some very, very talented and, and brilliant people over my career. And I've been fortunate to uh, have uh, learned from many of them and brought a little bit here to Sioux Falls to grow a research a program with Dr. Brian Leland Jones and many other of the physicians um, and other researchers that I, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed to work with uh, at Avera. So where, where where are you from? I grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a cheesehead by birth. Where? I love Wisconsin. So Wild Rose is the name of the tiny hamlet. If you put your finger on the middle of the state and yep. pick it up, you might be touching it. Oh, wow. So deep in Wisconsin. It's, yeah, very deep. Yeah, we use bubbler and, you know, we use all those f- catchphrases uh, <laughs> that everybody loves to pick on about, pick on us about. But Yeah, I love that part of Wisconsin, though. It's beautiful. Uh, we... Um, Die, die hard Packer fans, I'm sure Viking fans, you like to give me, you know, some grief. Hey, we play the right Packers now. on this program, on this yeah. station. Nice. We are a Packers affiliate. Actually, so. Well, then I love you even more. <laughs> Just tune in. Season to ticket holder right here. Really? Oh, yeah, of course. Outstanding. So do you get back much? Once a year. Oh, you got to get there more than that, right? You no, know, I like to go to the cold game, so I, when I walk away, I can't even feel myself <laughs> walk. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, well, it's a it's a quite a drive though to Green Bay. Yeah, from it's here. It's, it's it's about six hours, six yeah. and a half to my parents, and then another hour and a half to two to to Lambeau. Outstanding. Um, so you left uh, Wisconsin and went where? Where'd you go to college? I did undergraduate at Buena Vista University in Storm Lake. So yep. I've uh, spent a lot of time in Northwest Iowa. Um, enjoyed my time there immensely. Went to Creighton University for pharmacy school. Okay. Uh, and then did a residency and fellowship training after that at North Carolina and at Texas. So in the end, after all that training, you have a, what, what is your degree then? Uh, I have a PharmD, so a doctor of pharmacy. Got and it. then I'm board certified in oncology pharmacy and uh, lots of experience in between. So you really come to this from the, from the drug, as you said earlier, the drug development side of it. Yeah, I spent about 10 years in Kansas City with quite a few of them at the University of Kansas, and I did a lot of work with the uh, early phase clinical trials there and uh, drug development, Many worked with many, many, many talented people there, and uh, um, owe a lot of my experiences uh, in oncology to the folks that I've worked with for, cer- for certain. Yeah, when did you come to Avera? So my wife and uh, kids and I moved to uh, Sioux Falls five years ago, and we've been at Avera um, about four. Yeah, so did you just get... Uh recruited to come here? Or did you say, you know, I think we want to live in Sioux Falls? <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, I got a lot of recruitment at home from my uh, wife. Uh, certainly the uh, move here has been amazing for us as a family. I think that this is a place second to none to raise, uh, raise children and to uh, be a part of a community. We love Kansas City and still love it. It's not about that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's more of raising your children in a place where you uh, at least hope that uh, is safer than a much bigger city and to hope that the opportunities that they have um, are much more uh, in line with your uh, ideals. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Casey Williams. He is director of Avera Cancer Institute Center for Precision Oncology. So what does precision oncology really mean? Uh, that's an excellent question, Patrick. I think that precision oncology, and, I, and I, I think that term is used a lot, personalized medicine, precision medicine, all of the buzzwords out there. Mm-hmm. What we're really interested in is finding map of why a certain cancer looks the way it is. 
not every single person that's diagnosed with cancer currently gets that molecular testing. Uh, many of them do. Uh, I think the field is mixed in its view uh, on how to use uh, more precise and I think larger panels to look at the genes that are involved in, uh, in cancer. So gen uh, cancer is a genetic disease and I said in the previous segment it's the cancer cells uh, that are from normal cells that make mistakes, right? And those mistakes that are made, those mistakes are at the molecular level in the DNA and the RNA level. And if the DNA and the RNA are, are um, incorrect or making things that ultimately shouldn't be there, that causes a downstream ripple effect that, that isn't generally good. Mm -hmm. And while, what our intent is to know what the DNA mistakes are and to come up with treatment strategies that utilize that information to treat that person's disease specifically uh, and not in a one-size-fits-all approach where you're diagnosed with this disease and everybody gets the same thing. Our intent is to use this personalized approach to design therapies that would be the best fit. You know, if there's five choices that are the standard of care for mm -hmm. first-line treatment, well, w how do you narrow down the, the one of the five that could be the best for you? Do I pick it just because it's my favorite as the, is the clinician? Mm -hmm. Does the next oncologist treat the, their patient differently because that's their favorite? Or do we use more precise methodologies to pick the therapy that would be the best fit for the patient based on a much more robust uh, data collection of what could be the cause for that person? So that gets you, connects you to the, the genomics uh, study of uh, gene therapy. I mean, are you working with the genomics uh, uh, research that's involved with Averroes, are those completely separate issues in the end? No, we're all married together. They're, they're separate, but not, not that different. So there are the cells that are changed uh, in us that we get from our parents. That's the, that's the germline side. So that's what we're born with. Those mm -hmm. are the things that are new, nuanced in us or different in us based on our, our heritage mm -hmm. or what we get from mom and dad. That's what we're looking at um, in the Avera Institute for Human Genetics on how drugs are metabolized and other things. When a, when a normal cell makes a mistake, that's a somatic mutation or what a cancer mutation might look like. We look mm -hmm. at both sides um, and come up with drug treatments that would take into account how the drug could be metabolized and excreted and work in your body, but also what targets I want to hit to kill the cancer cell based on the mutations or mistakes that are there. Yeah. The, this idea of a grail project, to, to go back to that. So how many patients, again, total, do you want to have in your study here? Well, 10,000 are across the U.S., and I know that they're looking at adding another 10,000, so potentially 20,000. That's a lot. Again, this is not something that um, is going to impact folks today, Right. Um, with an ability to take that information and apply it to clinic. But our goal is in the next handful of years to put this data together and make a significant impact. So you do, Avera doesn't have one chunk of it. It's like using all the first institutions. Come, first hmm? So all these institutions have, there's 10,000 slots to fill. Yep. And first come, first serve. Wow. Uh, how many do you have now? Do you know? I don't know the number, but yeah. I know that we're accruing quite quickly. Yeah. Um, how do people, what should they do if they do, we talked about uh, folks who want to get involved. Do they just call Avera, at, you know? Look on the website. Uh, I mean, also, if they want it, I would go through their physician. Mm -hmm. So go through their local physician and they can make a referral and that would be the most efficient way. Okay. Um, if we, if they can also call the Avera Cancer Institute Navigation Center. 
Um, and that, uh, that number is also on the website, mm-hmm. and that certainly would be another avenue. The Navigation Center is for anyone to call for any reason for cancer-related stuff, and we get calls from all over the country. It's an amazingly fabulous uh, resource for people anywhere. It's not just for people in this region, but most of the people that use it are from here, but mm-hmm. people call from all over the place. Yeah. And they're a group of very dedicated professionals that I think provide a yeoman's uh, service for the community that I think is underutilized to some extent, and I think they would be um, very happy to answer phone calls about it. Um, So how long would I be involved if I got chosen? You don't Um, know. You would be involved by um, signing up for the study, getting a blood test, and then essentially they would have a a cumulative um, results-based uh, in manuscript or paper that comes out that everyone will have access to and you'll see the results of the trial. They're not going to use any one individual person's data. Then Nobody would be identified in that. It would be all a cumulative um, data dump of everyone's information that would then be used um, to, to come up with I- information for everyone. It's a period of years, though, that I... Yeah, it's not fast enough for our taste, but it just these, right. these kinds of efforts take many years. Yeah, and you uh, just have the satisfaction of knowing you... You you may never know what level that you contributed, but you helped. Yes, absolutely correct. But that's, I think, a lot of the prevention type or early detection studies, which we're, we're going to look at normal um, participants and see, you know, what we can find. Yeah. We've been talking with Dr. Casey Williams, director of Avera Cancer Institute's Center for Precision Oncology. And we're going to come right back after this short break. and We're going to talk a little bit about research and the value it has for the community. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Information 1000 KSOO. 446 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're continuing our conversation here with Dr. Casey Williams. He is director of Avera Cancer Institute Center for Precision Oncology and uh the thing I wonder about Dr. Williams, and I think a lot of people do, what is the value? Why is Avera involved in research? You're, it's a hospital system. You take care of people. You save their lives. Why, do you, why does Avera need to be in research? Well, I think everyone uh, that's in medicine knows the value of research, and I think patients sometimes have a, um, a, a some confusion perhaps or perhaps think, you know, I've heard lots of things in my 15 plus years of experience. I make, I'm a guinea pig if I participate, especially in cancer research, or, you know, they're just giving me this to do this or this for somebody else's gain. Well, that can't be farther from the truth. Uh, our goal and uh, my personal mission, and along with many other people, is to make a major impact in the people's uh, outcomes that have cancer. And so we're trying to bring the most cutting edge therapies that we can. Um, at minimum, especially if someone's in a randomized trial, and that means there could be choices of two therapies. One is the standard of care, what you would get anyway, most likely, or something we think is potentially better. And so our goal is to prove that this new therapy is better than the current. So we're trying to move the field forward. And certainly participating in that, you would get what you would get anyway at worst, but the potential for much better outcomes is there. And so our goal is to grow the opportunities for patients to have access to the newest therapies that we think are really going to make a positive uh, impact uh, on the outcomes for patients. And so that's why we do research. 
you're dealing with cancer patients and do you get sometimes people saying, yes, put me in this, put me in this, put me in this as some, and maybe not this particular project, but in, with cancer in general, when they see, well, there's this treatment, but we don't know people are like, yes, put me in it. Cause they think there's, it's new. So there's some level of hope in it that may or may not exist. I think hope is a significant um, need in cancer therapy, and I'm certainly not going to in any way minimize it. I think it's how it's delivered. Um, I think, you know, for myself personally, and when I deliver the message to a person about um, options, my passion, I think, comes across, and people are generally excited or more excited sometimes when they hear it from somebody that truly is excited about what they're doing versus here's an option, here's an option, mm-hmm. here's an option, and you can pick them and I'll help you pick them. But, you know, I'm not really excited about any of them. It, it, it kind of colors based on how it's presented to you, correct? Uh, and so I, I, I think that, you know, being passionate about research and changing the outcomes for people uh, is a, a major uh, driver, gets me up every day. And how do I bring in new therapies for patients here in our communities and elsewhere? Because uh, people come from all over the world, quite frankly, to Avera and, and also to Sanford. But I'm talking about Avera today mm-hmm. to, to, to get these therapies and to make a big difference in their, in their outcome. The, do you ever, when you started your process of education in pharmacy and uh, looking at this and deciding that, you know, when you got interested in, in cancer pharmacology can you believe what you're doing now compared to what you thought you would be doing then i mean has it come that fast did you wake up some mornings and just go man that's amazing no i think like a lot of people i've been exceptionally blessed i mean i've i've been around exceptionally talented people they make you better and they push you to be better and I've been uh, very, very blessed to be around very like-minded and also supportive people. Uh, I would certainly sing the praises of many people uh, that I get to work with every day uh, at Avera. And, I, and there's too many to name. I'll forget some. <laughs> uh, but certainly without their support and obviously without my wife's and family's support, that none of this would happen. But I think that research is a community event. One person often gets credit for it, but it's you know, not as deserved as perhaps it could be when you do this. It takes a village to do this. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of unsung heroes. The research nurses uh, do an absolute fabulous job. The data people, the, the folks that work in the laboratory, uh, the staff that room patients, the people at the front desk, mm-hmm. everyone involved in it is critical to the experience. And it's not just the investigator or the physician that walks in at the end and kind of, you know, that, that well done, everybody, and, you know, walks out again. That, that, that's kind of what people see, but there's so much more to it than that. And every place that does research, it takes an absolute village of people to do it well. And that's why not everybody does it, yeah. because the investment from the institution, the amount of money that it takes to do some of this stuff is, is very, very impressive in large amounts uh, that people wouldn't otherwise appreciate. Our, our translational laboratory, we do work with cancer cells in our laboratory. We have a you know, half dozen, 10 people in that laboratory that you don't know any of their names, mm-hmm. but yet they're a real big reason why a lot of these drugs that we ultimately give to patients get there in the first place because they discover some of the scientific rationale for the combinations of drugs that we would potentially use. And then how do we give them to patients? Well, there's lots of other people mm-hmm. involved in those discussions. So again, there are a lot of unsung heroes in research, and it costs a lot of money to do it. What do you need? I mean, you never have everything you need, but in in the broad sense in this country, 
cancer is, you know, one of the major killers of human beings in America. What do you need that you don't have? I think that the big institutions uh, on the coasts, and you know, all know their names, but the MD Andersons, the Harvards, the Memorial Sloan Ketterings, the, the Stanfords, and all of those get most of the resources mm-hmm. from the government and, and others. It's the community guys that see most of the patients, and these folks are all over the country, and it's not just here at Avera or Sanford or the local communities that you live in uh, every day. They're the ones that are doing a majority of the work. Eighty-five plus percent of the patients that have cancer see a community physician. They don't go to the ivory tower academic medical centers, and I've worked at them, and I respect the heck out of them. That's not there's no negative um, connotation there. However, a vast majority of of patients see community physicians, and as a result of that, um, that's where most of the cancer care is delivered. And without much of the resources being delivered to them either. So most of the resources are delivered to the 15%, mm-hmm. which is the academic medical centers, and the community guys are struggling for what's left over. We're blessed uh, because the sisters and the leadership at Avera have allowed us to do a significant investment in research. Uh, and I think that that is a major, um, uh, it's going, it is making and will make a bigger impact in patient outcomes over time. But that kind of investment uh, doesn't come easily. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating work. Uh, Dr. Casey Williams, director of Avera Cancer Institute Center for Precision Oncology. Uh, thanks for coming in and uh, we'll have you back and get an update on Love the grail. To. Outstanding. Love to come back. Thank you for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.